Welcome to the Fireman's Trainers Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I'm your host, Rob Beckman, and today we'll be talking about retiring into firearm training. We bring you this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the Firearm Trainers Association. Visit their website at ftaprotect.com to learn more about their instructor coverage they offer and their competitive pricing. Receive a special 10% off on your policy by entering promo code FTP10 at checkout. This episode is also brought to you by the best smelling firearm lubricant on the market, Pig Lube. Pig Lube brings you the best performance by combining high-grade synthetic oil with nanoparticle technology for your firearm. The small applicator allows you to put lube where you want it without making a mess and without using any patches or rags. Easier to apply than traditional oils in your firearm and allowing you to get back to the range and let freedom ring. To learn more about Pig Lube and the technology behind it, go to piglube.net and use coupon code FTP20 for 20% off at checkout. Today, we're joined by retired police officer and owner of Line of Defense Training, Len Halishak. Welcome, Len. How are things going for you today? Going well. Great, great. Well, I appreciate you coming on the podcast today because I think a lot of our listeners out there sure. either are um, thinking about or have already kind of, you know, thought about retirement and maybe, you know, fireman training might be something they're thinking about. But before we jump into that, can you tell our listeners a little bit about your background before you retired? Well, I was a police officer, uh, started at uh, Hammond Police Department, which is, a, which is in Northwest Indiana. I started in 1995 and then I transferred to a Sheriff's Office, Tiffany County Sheriff's Office, which is where Lockheed Indiana is located. And the first time I there this year, uh, early January, I, I retired as what they call a merit officer. So a merit officer in Indiana is, they're the officers that will respond to calls uh, for the most part, uh, your full-time officers and are controlled by a merit board. So I retired from that position. And uh, well, I was at the Sheriff's Office since, uh, We'll be going back, I guess, 1999. That's when I first became an instructor and uh, a firearms instructor and uh, pretty much did that up. And actually, I'm still doing that to this day. Um, as I retired as a merit officer, I transitioned to a special deputy, so appointed by the sheriff, and I do courthouse security. And as as such, uh, we have armed officers at our courthouse, and I'm uh, myself and another officer. Uh, do limited police training for our guys uh, just at the courthouse. I don't do the uh, the full department like I used to. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, well, we really appreciate you sharing your time with everybody today because uh, I'm looking more and more forward every day to retirement, but I'm st- still pretty far away from being able to say I can uh, retire uh, for it. So that's great. Let me ask you a question. And, you know, that's oh, something uh, now with, with the uh, – everything that's going on in the country with uh, all the Antifa stuff and the craziness in all these cities, Portland and Chicago and all that, you know, we see a lot of police officers that are doing that. They're, they're taking retirement earlier than they probably would have normally. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's only so much, uh, you know, anybody can really put up with before it's like, it's time to look for something different. I can identify with that. Uh, well, let me ask you a question. Um, you know, a lot of people, um, you know, are looking for that retirement gig and different things like that. What made you think about doing uh, farm training as your retirement gig? Well, you know, you, you work uh, for years and years, decades, 
doing a job. And uh, when I started thinking about retirement, I thought, I can't, I'm not old enough to, to fully retire. I have to do something, but I want to do something that I want to do, something that I'm really interested in and have a passion for and, and enjoy doing. Um, so that's was really kind of my, I guess, my motivation to start doing some training. But I, I started my, uh, my training business a couple years before before I retired, I'm, but I'm trying to grow it more. Mm-hmm. Yep. When it's, uh, when you're, when you're retired, it makes it a little bit easier to, to spend more time with it. But what, what are some of the big differences that you've seen, um, teaching civilian students versus, uh, law enforcement, uh, students over, over your, your career of teaching? Wow. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> well, I guess the, the biggest difference, uh, clearly is when you're training police officers, uh, especially if you're a department instructor like I was, uh, you kind of have a captive audience. They, they have to be there whether they like it or not uh, to some degree. Uh, but many of them do do enjoy shooting and they really like to come out. Our department is uh, really great at uh, being aggressive with our training. We, we do all kinds of training, but our farms especially, we do very routinely, um, much more so than many of the departments we except during the winter time uh, we have an outdoor range we don't shoot outdoors then but um, basically up till about, we probably stop about november and then start up again in march maybe april depending but pretty much every month between then until november when we shut down we pretty much have some kind of if not firearms training some type of use of force training and we have at our department, we have one of the Milo simulators. So our, our officers can, can use that. So th- they get very, very regular training and they, they have to be there. It's, it's part of their job. Whereas a civilian, uh, you know, it's different. Uh, certainly it's something they're going to have to pay for themselves. So uh, they've got that cost and the ammunition costs and things like that that officers don't have. And that can be, uh, especially in these times now, I mean, you know how hard it is to get mm-hmm. ammunition and, and firearms. That can be a, a very big impediment. And I have had um, some minor issues with that, with some people not being able to get enough ammunition to, uh, you know, that the class requires. It's not been a, a big issue yet, but um, I think it's just going to get more and more difficult until uh, this, that supply changes. But you also have to... Um, you have to find a way to make civilians realize training is important, uh, especially in Indiana. We don't have the educational or the experience requirements. Uh, some of the other states have to get a break from it. Yeah, where the, where the state basically is forcing them to state. to come in and take take your uh, class or get a license, and that's uh, that allows right. you to or forces you to go along and differentiate yourself, um, you know, just from the person who got taught by grandpa, you know, out on the farm, you know. Exactly. Why do, why do I need to be trained yep. if grandpa taught me, you know, forty years ago how to go along and shoot the shotgun? You know, those those kind of attitudes. But that's where um, you know good marketing comes comes into play for it. And I think that's where um, 
good training, having a, a, a good trainer who knows what they're doing, who has the experience to do that sort of thing. Uh, when you when you can get somebody into class and they, they really get excited and enthusiastic about this and then they want to come back for more. And I've, I've certainly had uh, numerous people that have, have done that. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and those, those make for good students because they're just like sponges and they soak up the information you're giving them. They will do the practice that is necessary. All those things that as a instructor, we like to see in, in our students for sure. Right. And many times I have uh, continuing, um, I wouldn't say debates, but we, 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 they'll email me some questions or I'll, I'll throw something out to them. They, they'll send articles to me. Hey, what do you think about this or that or, or whatever, um, you know, trying to bounce ideas off me. And it, it just kind of shows that, uh, you know, how, how these, uh, some of these students maybe started off very sort of basic, not really knowing a whole lot, but they really kind of catch on and, and really get into it. And it, it makes a really good two way street because I learn much from them just like they do for me. It's, it's, it's certainly not a one way street at all. Mm hmm. Sometimes I think I learn more than they do. Yeah. Well, as I always go along and tell my, you know, prep my uh, new students is, you know, probably about 80% of what they think they know about gunfights, about concealed carry, about all those things probably false because of, you know, where they learned mm -hmm. it from, you know, the media, Hollywood, you know, those uh, um, Beverly Hill cops kind of uh, shows, you know, that's, right. that's not reality. And that's where going along and, you know, talking to, people that have true true expertise in it whether it's a police officer um like yourself or you know we've had andrew bronco on the on the podcast before to really go along and set, set the record straight because you know they've they've got the credentials and also the experience but i'll tell you well yeah it might sound great you know on just on one way but legally speaking guess what you're in hot water and you know those are the things where people really need to make sure they uh understand the the uh gravity of the situation overall so that's absolutely, um, you know, understanding the, the fundamentals of how to shoot and then how the gun operates and what ammunition is and that sort of thing. That's, that's one thing, but understanding how you now take this, if, if it's, if you're trying to learn how to shoot for defensive purposes, which self-defense, which is, I think what most people, at least certainly most of my students are interested in doing, that's a whole nother ball game that since they're law abiding citizens, they really don't have a whole lot of contact with the law and how the mm -hmm. legal system works, the civil system, the criminal system, and a lot of those issues. And it's really eye-opening doing a class like the uh, USCCA uh, Concealed Carry Home Defense Fundamentals class or uh, uh, NRA's uh, Personal Protection in Home. Something like that really opens their mind up to a lot of things they didn't realize. And um I think that's where it really kind of sinks in. I think sometimes how serious, you know, owning a gun is sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It can be very liberating and that you have the power to control things, but at the same time it can be, you know, extremely, uh, you know, burdensome because you do something wrong and it involves a firearm and it can come with a, with a hefty price on it. And that's even to uh, get out yeah. innocent, you know, lawyer, I know the uh, couple out there in St. Louis that got charged with brandishing during the uh, riots recently. Um, Well-to-do couple and different right. things like mm -hmm. that, but they've had to hire a lawyer. They've you know had to do a whole lot of stuff like that. Um, now you know we'll see what the courts come out with, whether they're found innocent or they plead down the charges or something else like that. But still, they don't get that money back. You know that's all spent on that lawyer, and uh, you know that's the reality of the situation is. Right. You know we we have the 
thank God, the right to bear arms in this country. Uh, but that also brings down responsibility. And sometimes I think uh, until people uh, take some kind of training, they get to go to some kind of classes that they, they don't understand sometimes or they don't realize um, how things change. And, and one of the things is many things that you may do, um, maybe even currently, maybe not intentionally, that you do something maybe breaking law, you do that while armed, that changes things quite a bit because it usually bumps it up to a felony now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things that uh, I think people don't realize until they get some kind of education uh, um, in that regard. Right. I know, I, and you mentioned uh, Andrew Bronca's book, and actually I have it sitting here right, <laughs> right next to me because it's a, it's a fantastic book. And that's one that I, I every class when I deal with the law, that, that's the A number one uh, reference guide I give people because it's, it's so well laid out. Mm-hmm. Well, and it lays out, you know, a, a, a safe uh, approach for all 50 states where, you know, I know that's one, one area where my students are always amazed at that. Okay. In Ohio, I can do this, but if I walk across the street and I'm in Indiana, then I can't do it this way. I got to do it that way. Or if I go down the street to Kentucky, being in Cincinnati, we can be in all three states in about 15 minutes where I'm at. Um, you know, that, that's a big eye opener for people because they don't realize, um, you know, we're in the United States, but each state has a slightly ver- slight variation on, uh, on their laws. Right. Yeah. And I'm, uh, so you're, you're right close to Indiana and the Ohio side, but I'm very close to Illinois on my side of the state. Mm-hmm. And that's a whole nother ball game. Oh, yeah. but, uh, many people here go to Illinois. Mm-hmm. So they need to know what, what they can, what they can't do. Yep, exactly. Or, uh, you know, if they, you know, if they go out, you know, West, you know, further, you know, I mean, you know, what can, what can you do in Kansas compared to Indiana, just those places? Um, you know, some of it's like, wow, we can, you know, it's all, it's all the same, except for these specific areas, which can get you in a lot of trouble. Uh, highly recommend Andrew's yep. books and, uh, also making sure people, uh, realize they need to look up what the states are going to, what their laws are before they go, because, uh, yeah, um, ignorance is not a, de- is not a, uh, a defense as, as the old saying goes. Right. Well, t- uh, let me ask you this, uh, uh, Len, uh, when it comes to, uh, your training business, are you working to try to make that full-time or, or part-time in your mind? I know you said you were a special deputy down at the courthouse, so I figured that takes up some of your time during the week. Sure. I mean, that's, that's a full-time job. I mean, that's what pays the bills, uh, really for the most part. But, um, at this point, uh, my training business is, um, it's growing. Um, it's, it's, it's been growing every year and I'm trying to uh, reach out to new things and, and, uh, offer more and, and offer more classes, a number of classes, as well as a variety of classes, whether it'll lead to something full-time or not. Um, We'll we'll see how that goes. Whether um, you want to be full time, also, I mean, we're, we're retired for a reason, and you know, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, and uh, I, I've got several other ideas that I'm thinking about in terms of uh, maybe opening a range and that sort of thing. And uh, you know, I, th- there's that brings a whole another aspect um, to things. Is it worth doing this, that sort of thing or not? Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I don't know. So I, I just. Well, I'll see how things go uh, at this point. I'll certainly, uh, I, I love training. I absolutely love doing it. Uh, and that's, that's why I really got into it because I, I enjoy, um, the shooting myself, but I also enjoy 
teaching people things and, and, um, We'll, we'll just kind of see where that goes. I certainly haven't uh, tapped out all of my, uh, um, I guess, the types of classes that I want to train or that, that I want to offer people uh, to do. So I, I definitely keep expanding that. But we'll, we'll see how, you know, does that become full-time or not. What, what did you do to uh, prepare for uh, retirement as far as uh, uh, classes that you took? Well, I, I initially uh, became an NRA instructor, probably like a lot of people, uh, and that that was uh, boy, uh, that was probably it was over ten years ago. I don't even know what year I became an NRA uh, instructor, but it's been quite a while. And as a police officer and as a firearms instructor at our department, uh, there were s- several of us, and you you get a lot of questions from people. Somebody might call into the department. I've got a question about guns, or I've got a question about training, and that sort of thing. And of course, the firearms instructor—that's the guy who gets the questions a lot. So I started seeing a a demand for that sort of thing, and uh, that a lot of people didn't know some things that, as a police officer, I kind of take for granted that I know this this stuff, but uh, a lot of people didn't. So I became an NRA instructor, at, and at the same time, I was working with uh, the Boy Scouts of America. And uh, became an inner instructor as a basic rifle, pistol, shotgun, but then also personal protection in the home. And then just have expanded from there uh, into other things. So um, the, the USCCA being an instructor uh, for their uh, concealed carry and home defense fundamentals class, which is, I think, a fantastic class. It's kind of my go to in terms of um, um, self defense. Uh, instruction, basic self-defense instruction for people. The International Association of Law Enforcement Firearms Instructors, another group that I belong to, and uh, I did some training from them. I, uh, even though I was on the SWAT team for about ten years at our department, and when that, we would go to the the training conferences and that sort of thing, you get a lot of training in that regard. So you know, just over the years, you just you just add stuff here and there, but even uh, being retired uh, as a, a, a merit officer, I still seek out my own training. Uh, so every year I, I go to the SHOT Show. Every year when I go out there, I go to Front Sight too. Mm-hmm. So I have a membership out there. And uh, I take a, you know, at least every year I take one, one class out there because that's a great way for me to get my trigger time. And, and you know, you take a little bit from here, a little bit from everywhere, and that's how you, you become uh, proficient at something, and you know, I may not agree with uh, their techniques on on everything. I always learn quite a bit by going out there, and I, and I enjoy it quite a bit. Um, and then just seeking out other training. I'm uh, pretty soon here. Uh, looks later this month, actually. Uh, Core Science Institute. I'll be going to uh, one of their classes, and you know, so those are things that I think will help me uh, not only as a police officer and helping. Um, some of our officers are a, a little more limited than I used to be for, uh, certainly because I've kind of handed that off to, uh, to other, um, people, but it's certainly going to help my, uh, uh, instruction for civilians too. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Because as I always go along and point out to new instructors that I'm teaching is, uh, as much as you might be the master of your craft in today, <laughs> um, you just take a look, you know, in a year or two. Things are going to, things change. You look back, you look back 10 years and you, well, 
look back in your your career uh you know back in you know 1995 when you started you know, you were probably using those first generation Glocks or Smith and Weston striker fired ones, uh, pistols. And then now you look where right, the, we're using Glocks. Glocks. Yeah. And now you look where, where things have progressed, even from a Glock standpoint, you know, they got gen fives, they've got the marksmanship barrels. They also have red dots. I mean, who would have ever thought that yeah. we would be mounting red dots on a semi-automatic pistol? Um, you know, those, those types of things. And, Absolutely. Uh, you know, there, there are small I'm changes. I'm a huge fan of the red dots, mm-hmm. but they add up. Over time, they add up, and you have to keep up with that. Yeah. If uh, somebody was going along teaching, you know, 1911 semi-automatic uh, techniques today, people would be looking at them like, like they had three heads. And, uh, you know, there's still, there's still good guns out there, you know, just like the revolvers, but the bulk of, uh, what I teach and I think probably everybody else, it's the striker fires, the, the, uh, Smith and Wesson M and P's, the Glocks, the, uh, Springfields, all those, uh, are out there. Um, the with, uh, yep. Sigs yeah. have, you know, taken all over, over the market. And that's where if you're not, if you don't stay current with the technology, technology, um, technology being the firearm it's just going to bypass you and then you look at how things have changed just in the last 10 years when it comes to understanding the adult learning approach and that's one of those things where you know this podcast is for to help to go along and educate the instructors and bring things to light so then maybe they can um be a, be a more effective instructor you know to find topics maybe they need to search out on their own but to try to you know bring some yep. uh, awareness because if you're not out of shot show if you don't take you know your independent training then you're losing ground uh with it with everything that's going on in the industry and there are trend, right. trends all out there you have to be proficient yourself and you have to be up on the new thing what's happening out there mm-hmm. definitely most definitely uh, Our department uh, just last year went to the red dot sites, uh, offering that as an option option for our officers. And boy, I tell you what, you you, you train some of those guys in that, and they they come away with an entire new attitude and enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. They absolutely love them, and it is certainly the way that things are going to go. So if, if you're if you're not st- at least starting to get some experience. Uh, uh, as an instructor in red dot sites, you really are going to be staying uh, back in the model T age uh, because it's going to it's taking over fast. Yeah. I started playing with uh, mine last year and uh, love it. Um, with aging eyes, it's, it definitely helps out quite a bit. Uh, makes me a lot more. <laughs> it does. And, uh, and I would say it's probably about the same speed um, as, you know, me, uh, me running the uh, open sites, you know, from a couple of years ago. And, but that takes time mm-hmm. you know, because you got to, you got to relearn sure. that your sighting technique, um, site, uh, you're using yep. open sites is different than using, uh, um, you know, red dot site. And that, that's, you know, just the way things are. Right. Yep. And like you said, you know, over the years I've changed things, you know, different techniques and things like that, because something you see something at a class or you're, you maybe even you read something or, well, now there's so many videos, YouTube, and so, you see something that thinks, you know, that, that makes sense. And, uh, there's a good reason for me to change my technique to this. And I'm not at all, not a person that jumps from one thing to another, the newest, coolest tactical technique. Uh, I'm not like that at all, but uh, there, there is a reason to change sometimes. And you you have to be able to keep up with that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Most, most definitely. 
most definitely. Question for you, uh, Len. Somebody's listening to this podcast and they are thinking about doing this. Um, what recommendations would you have for those, uh, you know, experienced firearm shooters, but just haven't quite made that leap yet to want to become an instructor and knowing what they need to do in order to establish themselves in the area as an instructor? What, what's your recommendations to them? Well, I think uh, one, like we were just talking about, you have to stay proficient on the in your skills for one thing, but also be on top of the new things that are happening. Um, people love that the, the new things, and they, they always want to you know try this new type of gun or this red dot size or whatever these types of things. Um, I guess as a police officer, you have to understand a little bit of the differences in in the needs of civilians versus the needs of police officers. Too. So you have to be able to gear uh, what you want to do toward them. Um, you know, you're not going to have too many civilians running around with uh, five AR magazines on them uh, if you're doing a rifle course or something. You know, that as an, just an example, where the police officer may be far more certainly a SWAT officer may be mm-hmm. more prone to have a that sort of thing. And the the, the needs are uh, sometimes a little bit different. Yeah. I guess that's, I guess, um, any, su- any suggestions on how far out they should think before they start retiring to, um, you know, start get, gathering up their certifications? Well, as soon as you can, I mean, as soon as you, I, you realize you want to do something like that, they're really, you know, the one thing I guess I can say from my experience, I think everyone's done this is, is maybe you postpone something or you, you, you delay doing something is as soon as you have that passion to do something, do it. And maybe you'll change and not want to keep doing it, and that that's fine. But uh, you know, as soon as you can, try to try to get into that sort of thing. And, and as as a police officer, you can get a lot of that training because it will benefit your department. You know, I was a, an instructor for uh, twenty years at, at our department, and uh, I was able to go to trainings, like I said, the SWAT conferences, and and get training from some 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 great guys, you know, Clint Smith and Pat McNamara and uh, Kyle Lamb. Um, you know, guys like that would come there and you, you pick up a lot of stuff that way. So, you know, start early and, and get as much as you can. Um, and, and no, no one's got the, the way to do it. So you, you have to kind of gather stuff from different people and, and find out kind of what works for you. I just say start early and, and, uh, seek out as much training as you can. And sometimes, uh, you have to do it yourself. Mm-hmm. You have to pay for it yourself. If it's something that you want, uh, you know, police departments run on budgets and uh, they don't have the money for everything. So if there's this, a training you want and uh, you can't get it, you may have to decide, am I willing to put the money into the ammunition and the cost and maybe even travel expenses for that class. Yep. Good, good recommendations for our listeners out there. We've been asking this question for all our guests this year, um, but what, Books, websites, uh, videos, are you reading, watching to further your education this year to become a better instructor? Hmm. Well, one thing I tried to do this year is to not read as many books at one time. <laughs> I have a bad <laughs> habit of reading way too many at one time. And I thought, you know, I'm going to set this one aside and maybe just work on, on two books at once. Uh, and then. I can just concentrate on that more. So uh, one that I'm reading right now is uh, it's called Bright Lights, Dark Places. It's uh, by uh, Deborah Gauthier. Um, 
she was actually uh, an instructor for me out at uh, Front Sight last year. I took a tactical shotgun course out there, and she was one of the instructors. And she had worked with the uh, Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department. And just talking to her over the four days and uh, hearing some of her experience and stuff, found out she actually had written a book about her uh, her experience as a, a, a woman police officer. Um, I don't think she was she was the first one, but she was one of the first uh, early uh, women police officers in Las Vegas Police Department. It's a it's a pretty interesting book. Um, not only just as you know, store, police stories essentially, in some ways, but also her personal um, struggles and uh, um, what she had to go to through as a woman um, to make it in the field. So that, that's been a pretty interesting book, and it's really, it's really uh, cool to have some kind of personal connection with that author too. Um, I think because um, I don't know any other authors uh, <laughs> that I've really met like like uh, her and been able to talk to. Mm-hmm. And another one is um, just because the, uh, you know, the political climate and stuff that's going on right now, uh, the United States of Trump by Bill O'Reilly, um, just to understand uh, Bill's, uh, Bill O'Reilly's uh, experiences, uh, Donald Trump and how he views them, uh, that sort of thing. Because whether you like him or not, Donald Trump is one very interesting, uh, unique individual. <laughs> yes, he is. And he's uh, president, like it, like it or not, for the, at this point. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, at some point, he won't be our president, and uh, we'll have some other interesting character as uh, president. Yeah, uh, it's just the way things go here in America. Some of the uh, you were talking about videos. There have been some videos that have been watching training, uh, training type videos. I just saw the. Uh, just watched the uh, gun sight uh, video for uh, active shooter training, which uh, had some pretty good tips on it because I'm, uh, I'm an active shooter instructor. Also, I was doing that at our department for a long time and uh, started branching into doing that uh, with, with the line of defense LLC. Uh, so I, I'm doing uh, some active shooter uh, training for some of the security teams and uh, people from those teams. Yeah, unfortunately, it doesn't take a whole lot of uh, foresight to see that uh, as a country, we probably are going to see active shooters continue uh, for a while. And knowing how to react e- effectively is uh, important for all of us. Yeah. Yep. Hey, Len, you spent a lot of good time, quality time with us, giving some uh, ideas, advice. Uh, what are your um, suggestions or where can instructors find more information about you and your classes? Well, my company is it's, uh, called Line of Defense LLC. Um, I have a website that I just started uh, earlier this year, and I'm, I'm trying to add more to it. I'm not a real uh, tech guy or anything, but it's lineofdefensetraining.com, and that's defense with an S, D-E-F-E-N-S-E, lineofdefensetraining.com. And I have a Facebook site because social media is uh, you know, a very powerful tool also, so that's just line of defense. And uh, my email is usually the best way if anyone's got a question how to get a how to get a hold of me regarding training or anything, and that's uh, line of defense at gmail dot com. Okay, I'll make sure all these books and links are in our show notes for our listeners if they want to reference them and they, uh, for it. And uh, appreciate your time again, Lynn.
Sure. Yeah, great talking to you, Rob. Well, that's a wrap for this episode. We have a few requests for all our loyal listeners out there. Share this episode with others on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Encourage others to listen and subscribe. Maybe you have a friend out there that's thinking about retiring soon, and maybe this might be a perfect avenue for them to uh, pursue for it. If you have any ideas for episodes, questions, or feedback, please email us at ftp at concealedcarry.com. Visit our sponsors, especially the Farm Trainers Association, ftaprotect.com, and check out their instructor insurance. Being a responsible instructor means having insurance coverage. And remember to use promo code FTP10 for 10% off at checkout. Like and rate our podcast and check out the other concealedcarry.com network podcast. Remember, we bring you this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Remember to plan for the future and stay safe, everyone. Concealed Carry Inc. and ConcealedCarry.com strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.